a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. Wait a minute, did he just call the internet slow and average? To the customer, you might consider doing the same thing after our discussion here on this episode of Story Connect the Podcast. My name is Andy Johns. I'll be your host for this episode, and I'm joined today by Dirk Munson, who is a member support manager at Red River Communications. Dirk, thanks for joining me. Hey, it's great to be on the podcast with you, Andy. Thanks for having me. We are recording this at the NTCA Regional Conference in um, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Uh, it's been a good conference so far. Uh, got a chance to meet Dirk the other night and had a good conversation um, about uh, some of the things they're doing over at Red River. We want to jump into one of those. Uh, first, right off the bat, you have uh, it's an interesting transformation that's gone on. Um, the, your background, you came over from an advertising agency to work at uh, Red River. Uh, and it's been interesting. <clears throat> you have completely changed the packages of broadband that you offered from the kind of traditional uh, breakdowns to something different than I'd ever heard and, and almost counterintuitive, but it seems to be working. Yeah, it does. So just to give a little background on our cooperative, this is the 12th year of our fiber to the home build and, and hopefully will be our last year of the build. We expect to have 100% of our membership connected with fiber to the home by the end of this year. Um, one of the things that we did about uh, about a year ago now um, with about 70% of our membership on the fiber network, we took a real long, hard look at the speeds that we were offering to these consumers and realized that uh, 90% of our customer base, of our members, were on a 6 meg or slower connection, um, which in today's world, if with streaming video with Netflix and an HD stream taking at least 6 megabits, doesn't leave a whole lot of room for anything else, meaning that the support calls were, were coming in, people were complaining about their speeds. We knew we wanted to do something different. We wanted to take advantage of this huge investment in this fiber network we'd done. And uh, about a year ago, we came up with uh, the moniker Fiber Fast. And so we trademarked that and, and built that as a brand around our internet um, service. But we knew that just trademarking a name and coming up with some slick branding wasn't going to be enough. We needed to re really take a look at the speeds and reintroduce some speed packages. And so um, previously, one of our fastest speeds that we offer was 20 megabit per second. And that actually became the slowest speed on Fiber Fast. On top of that, we also decided to get a little uh, cute and clever, um, and we named the speed packages. So while 20 used to be the fastest, 20 is actually called slow at our company now. 50 megabit is average, and it isn't until you get to the 100 megabit mark that it's considered fast internet. And this is not just an internal thing. I mean, when a customer calls and says, I'd like a 20 meg package, you say, oh, the, the slow one? Exactly. This is on all of our marketing materials, everything from our brochures to any radio commercials that we do. We talk about how we are these, you know, slow, average, fast, faster, fastest, which is the full gigabit service that we offer. We use that to our advantage. So when a customer calls in and says, I'm looking for 20 megabit internet, um, our CSRs are trained to say, okay, that's our slow package. And there's a number of customers that they don't want to be on slower average. They want to be on fast. They, they want to, you know, not be embarrassed by their internet speed. Right. So then they, they upgrade. I love it. Um, everybody wants to be at least average. You know, nobody wants to be slow. So I think it's, it's pretty smart to have done that. Exactly. What we've seen in growth has been, has been nothing short of tremendous. And while we did move some of these customers to different speed tiers, uh, in a like-for-like like price um, tier, we've seen a 70% increase in, in the take rate at the higher 100 megabit package. But now we can also say that we've got over 80% of our customers on a 50 meg or higher package. Um, Pretty outstanding considering just a year ago we were on 90% had a 6 meg or slower connection. 
Right. So let me just reiterate that it, a year ago, you're at 90% of your customers um, with about six meg uh, or lower. Now, 81% are 50 meg or higher. Right. What has that done? Uh, I know when we were talking the other day, that's done a lot on the service side, on the help tickets, that sort of thing to help out there too. Absolutely. So not only have we seen a you know an increase in, in ARPU, we've also seen a decrease in the number of trouble tickets that are out there. Um, now when a customer is going to watch a 4K, 4K video stream on their brand new TV they picked up from the store, uh, their first call isn't to us to complain about the speed. Instead, it's a compliment. Um, they don't have the same issues related to speed and to bandwidth issues they had before simply because now they, they've got the pipe into their home that, that can handle it. Uh, instead, now we get calls about my Wi-Fi router can't handle this service, you know, which has now allowed us to change gears into more of a managed Wi-Fi focus. But, you know, getting rid of those slower speeds um, didn't cost us a lot of money from a network perspective. We'd already made that investment into the infrastructure. Um, bandwidth, pretty much regardless of where you're at in the country, is, is fairly inexpensive. Um, and we've seen our network, uh, you know, only go up about 30 to 40 percent usage since we've increased these higher speed packages. You know, the reality is most consumers aren't going to be using 50 megabit Internet all day long every day, but it gives them that burst. So when they do start streaming a video for 90 minutes, um, they've got the bandwidth for that. Uh, and, and it has reduced our, our trouble tickets and our truck rolls to fix bandwidth related issues now. And then when you think about it, the the compounding, the word of mouth, the the people who, uh, you know, over and over again, I've heard folks at conferences talk about how people feel like if they have a three meg package and they can't download or they can't stream a, a movie smoothly, then their internet sucks, you know, and it's not the fault of the provider. You've eliminated that because the lowest they can get is 20. Right, exactly. By, by choosing 20 by three, which at one point in time was going to be the definition of broadband, so we wanted to insulate ourselves with that, that number a little bit, um, we've removed that common complaint that my internet is slow, my internet sucks. You know, we, we used to hear that all the time, and the reality was the network was fine. You know, we had a 100% fiber optic network to 70% of the membership. They had the latest and greatest. It wasn't antiquated plant or anything like that. The reality is we had a, a Corvette that we only took on grocery runs. And so what we did is decide to, uh, you know, take that out on the track, open it up a little bit and let our membership really reap the benefits of the, you know, 12 plus years of investment that we've made into this network. I should mention, too, uh, Dirk gave the presentation uh, yesterday here at the NTCA Regional Conference for the North Central Region on uh, using gig certified, uh, you know, leveraging that certification, that sort of thing. Let's talk just for a second about that before we move on to a couple of other things. Um, you know, the slide you showed up for the, the screen there um, talking about the... Uh, the employee tattoo program with the gig certified logo. I think that was a joke, but I'm not sure. But let's just go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you're uh, using the gig certified logo. Certainly, you know, the employee tattoo starts off as a joke, but I did have my CEO, general manager, Jeff Olson, uh, offer to pay for a tattoo for me if I got that. So I think we may have some stand power with that one. Um, but what we're doing with the gig certification through NTCA is not only wearing that badge proudly in all of our marketing materials, but we're aligning that very closely with our personal brand, our, our cooperatives brand, and our internet brand, our FiberFast brand, so that consumers see them together as much as possible. We're not going into too many details about what gig capable means or gig certification. Um, we'll certainly have those discussions once the awareness is there um, with our membership. But we want to link those two or three items together, our brand, the NTCA's gig certification brand, and our internet brand together so that consumers put them all in the same basket of fast internet, fiber internet, 
getting that Red River Communications brand shifted from the traditional phone company roots that we've been struggling to shed for so many years and pushing it towards the high-tech technology lifestyle company that we want to be known as. We want to be known as not the phone company. We want to be known as the company that allows a family to move out of the city onto a farm to have that country lifestyle but not have to give up any of those city amenities that they became you know, so accustomed to having. The more we can link our brand with with what NTCA has been doing with the gig certification uh, program, the better we've seen. I mean, people do recognize and respond to that logo and a gig and a fiber now. And, and it's not uh, not a learning process for them anymore. They understand it, they get it, and they want it. You showed some examples yesterday, and I think you had even gotten special permission from NTCA, NTCA to make the logo white yes. uh, for a couple of spots. Where all will folks see that gig logo? That's a great question. So one of the most prominent things that they're going to see is uh, slowly over the course of the next year to two years, we're going to be rewrapping all of our vehicles all of our service trucks and marketing uh, vehicles to prominently display that gig certification logo. Uh, the first vehicles going in is one of our marketing cars that we have at all of our customer and member appreciation events. Um, we'll have three different gig certified logos on there. We did get special permission from the NTCA to do an all white version of that logo. It stands out really nice on the, the red of the car. Um, but we're also putting that logo on things like every brochure that we send out is going to have that logo. All of our business cards on our next uh, run of business cards this fall will have that. We put it on our annual report, which is, I think, a really important thing um, for providers that are, are gig certified. Really use that as an opportunity to say, this is important to us. You know, with an annual report, that's going to get filed away in your archives. You can go back in 15 years and see that as the turning point of your company no longer being just a phone company and being seen as a technology leader, as a lifestyle company, helping people uh, move move their lives forward using your service. So we're trying to get it out there in as many ways as we possibly can. We've done a, a lot of fun ones, too. doesn't always have to be serious. You know, we, we've thrown it on a cake. Why not? You know, uh, people love cake. I haven't met anybody who doesn't like cake yet. I think if uh, you'd ask people if they saw a logo on a cake, they're probably going to remember that. So, you know, things like that. It's the little stuff. It doesn't have to be a big concerted marketing campaign where you spend $100,000 out there. Uh, a $30 sheet cake can go a long way for building brand recognition with this program. Certainly. I think that you had said yesterday um, that things are kind of measured at the company now. Um, BG and AG, you know, right. before the gig and after the gig is really a turning point for the whole company. Uh, internally, have y'all have you done very much uh, to, to educate um, employees on these changes or what kind of uh, uh, you mentioned the customer service staff being trained for that slow average and, and uh, fast faster and fastest, uh, but what? how have things gone internally uh, getting the employees to recognize these changes? That's a really good question. Um, I've been fortunate in that my general manager and our board are very progressive. They've seen the shift that companies like ours have to make to stay relevant. And so what we did about a year and a half ago, so we took our customer support, our marketing, our sales teams, and we actually merged them under a brand new team called Member Support. Um, so if you ever are you know, questioning where your customer support team fits in, having them report to marketing actually works really well. So now when we're coming up with these campaigns, we're talking about pushing out new internet speeds, they're at the table with those discussions. So it's not so much having to educate them, after the fact, they have a voice and they have skin in the game throughout the whole process. They've got buy-in, which I think has been tremendous for helping us, uh, you know, move this forward. These are staff members that for the better part of a decade, six megabit was the most common internet that they sold. Um, how do you tell them that 
what you did then was fine, but we're moving in a different direction without making them feel like they were lying to the customer and showing them, you know, what the new technologies are coming down the road, bringing things like Roku's in, letting them take the Roku's home that these customers are using, getting them as exposed to this technology as you possibly can uh, has been tremendous for us. And then they themselves start to see the need. You know, these are CSRs who they live in our service area. They, they take our service. And up to that point, they, they didn't know necessarily how to take full advantage of it. And now I'm proud to say that I don't know that there's anybody there that isn't spending at least an hour or two on Netflix a night. A couple of them have 4K TVs. They can, they, they can speak what the customer is asking for because they live and breathe it now. And that's been a huge change for us to get them more involved with that process, less with a reaction when the customer calls in and more of a proactive approach now to say, hey, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Have you tried this? And they're speaking from personal experience, which is so much more valid. It means a lot more to have somebody say, well, at my Roku, at my house, you know, we do this, we do exactly. that, that sort of thing. The last thing I want to talk about, and we didn't really cover this beforehand, but I know we talked about it previously. Y'all have just, uh, and this is obviously a topic close to, to my heart uh, at Word South, what we do, but you have recently uh, either just started or just grown uh, your newsletter uh, significantly. And I wanted just to see a little bit about what kind of reaction you'd gotten from folks and, and any kind of value or, or insight that you've seen uh, into that. Certainly. About a year ago, we made the decision to switch from the trifold brochure style mailer newsletter that had you know, about a page and a half of content in it that was very predictable. It was the same thing every every year um, when these, these came out every other month. But, it, you know, you could go back to the July issue three years ago and you're going to find the exact same content in that one as you would in the 2016 one. It wasn't particularly inspiring and it didn't have a lot of staying power. So what we decided to do was go to more of a uh, magazine style format. Um, mainly in our area, you know, we don't have a lot of local media, and so a lot of our customer base does look for publications like this, be it from us or an REC, uh, as information to their communities. So what we did is we put together, uh, you started as an, an eight-page publication. It's now a 12-page publication that not only talks about what's going on with the cooperative projects we might have coming up, any specials or new promotions that we're running, but we also take time to highlight what's going on in our communities. So we make a point to feature a business that's in one of our communities. Every issue, we do an online companion video with that on top of it to, to help drive awareness of the business. The business then becomes a huge advocate for us, which is fantastic. But then it also gives the magazine a little more staying power. You know, I've gone to some of our local businesses that still have these magazines sitting out in their showrooms, their waiting rooms, two months after we've shipped them. Um, with our old newsletter, the, the thin one that was pretty lackluster in content, if it stayed on a, a countertop for a day or two, I think it would have been a, a win. This this has got staying power. This has got some valid, you know, value to the community. Um, easy to do, uh, easy to make the decision, hard to get content all the time. You know, that's why we're, we're always looking for the next option. How do we keep this thing going? Um, from a cost perspective, though, as far as the cost to do a newsletter versus a, a simple, you know, mailer, it's really not a whole lot different. But I think the, uh, the value you get by having something that, has staying power is, is tremendous and it's it's hard to measure but it's certainly been worth it in our opinion we do get a lot of positive comments on it great uh well i uh, i do appreciate you joining us and uh, i think that's about all that i had on my list to cover was there anything else that you wanted to add to uh, any of the listeners out there in podcast land before we uh, wrap up here 
You know, one thing I'll say is, uh, and again, I'm lucky that we've got a board and we've got a, a management staff that's very flexible, but uh, don't be afraid to take chances. You know, the industry is changing pretty dramatically and very rapidly. Uh, sometimes taking that left turn and, and going a little bit off the beaten path can have some fairly good rewards and it doesn't have to be all in. You don't have to be a big company. We only have 4,000 members. Um, we serve about 1,500 square miles. We're not a, not a large company by any means, but um, there are certainly opportunities out there for any of these Arleks to, to get their feet wet and, and make a change and become known as a leader in their communities. Certainly. I think that's well said. Well, thank you again for uh, for listening to this podcast. My guest has been Dirk Munson, Member Support Manager for Red River Communications. Dirk, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. I really appreciate it. This has been uh, the latest episode of Story Connect the Podcast. We will be recording at least one or two uh, here, uh, more from the NTCA conference here in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Um, for, uh, for Dirk Munson, I'm Andy Johns. I'm your host. And until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect the Podcast a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company.